All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are continuing our preview series of the Falcons various positions talking about the tight end position today. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by Rock Auto, where you can find amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So today's episode, we are getting back into our positional previews. We only did one last week with the special teams position group. And this week, we're going to get through the rest of these positions, starting off with the tight end position. And we'll talk a little bit about the various roster changes, as well as the depth chart entering training camp. And because we spent quite a bit of time in the month of May talking about Kyle Pitts, I don't have anything particularly insightful to say about Kyle Pitts, or at least anything in addition to what we discussed several months ago uh, in terms of what Kyle Pitts can and, and should be within the Falcons offense. So instead, you know, the brunt of today's conversation, at least surrounding Kyle Pitts and his tight end position is going to be the discussion of whether or not Kyle Pitts can put up the sort of historic production that we kind of need him to do, uh, given the void left by Julio Jones within the Falcons offense. So I'll be crunching the numbers and sort of giving you my quasi-realistic projection for what players like Kyle Pitts as well as Hayden Hurst are going to do. We'll talk a little bit about Lee Smith and we'll focus quite a bit of a conversation on the fourth tight end competition at the back end of the roster and, and whether or not players like Jaden Graham, among others, can sort of emerge this summer and potentially be uh, be able to carve out a role in terms of a long-term role with the Falcons in the future. And we'll get into that later on today's episode. But let's sort of start things off talking about the various roster changes. Of course, the Falcons lost two tight ends this offseason in Luke Stocker and Jared Pinckney, uh, who is now with the Tennessee Titans, a uh, player that Pinckney was a player that people had a lot of high expectations on uh, as an undrafted free agent a year ago uh, and spent most of the year on the practice squad, was elevated in that week 16 or week 17 game to the roster and was not uh, re-signed uh, after the season and wound up in Tennessee, but the Falcons were fairly easily able to replace those guys, you know, essentially having an exchange of practice squad guys with Pinkney going to Tennessee and, and bringing in a guy like Parker Hess uh, from Tennessee who spent the last two years on the Titans practice squad, a converted college defensive end. They brought in Ryan Becker, who was a 2020 undrafted free agent that was basically purely a blocking tight end at uh, Southern Methodist. And spent four months in the Arizona Cardinals camp last summer as an undrafted free agent. And of course, um, the biggest addition of the offseason was the trade that acquired Lee Smith the, for a conditional seventh round draft pick in the 2022 draft from the Buffalo Bills. No, I'm kidding. Of course, he wasn't the biggest um 
edition of the offseason, but it's certainly the guy I probably made the biggest stink about. Uh, obviously, that was Kyle Pitts, the Falcons' number one uh, selection in uh, the 2021 draft with the fourth overall selection out of Florida. Um, and that means guys like Hayden Hurst and Jaden Graham were the two tight ends that the Falcons were able to retain joining that group of four guys that they brought in. And Graham in particular was, you know, obviously Hurst was the starter, but Graham was the little used number three tight end last year after flashing some potential as both a blocker and receiver in 2019. So that means the the Falcons depth chart uh, entering training camp will be Hayden Hurst, the returning starter atop the depth chart. We'll sort of see if Kyle Pitts can sort of, you know, overtake him, probably not entering training camp, but maybe as we exit training camp and potentially certainly as we exit the season might be sort of the de facto number one tight end on the roster. But Pitts is number two behind. Hayden Hurst. Number three is Lee Smith uh, serving in that blocking role. Number four will be Jaden Graham. Five, Parker Hess. And then six being Ryan Becker. And obviously the big question, as I mentioned earlier, surrounding this position group is going to be how good a player Kyle Pitts is going to be as a rookie. That's the one big thing that a lot of us will be focusing on. And so we will, you know, get daily updates on how good Kyle Pitts is in practice uh, throughout training camp and people will be definitely excited to see what he can do uh, once we get into the preseason and people can get, get eyes on him. So that's going to be a big topic of conversation um, and whether or not he's going to be that force to be reckoned with, or will he sort of fall in, into the category that has a fairly long history uh, in the NFL, highly touted tight ends that come into the league with a lot of hype, uh, but wind up being fairly mediocre, at, at least as far as their production goes in their rookie years. And we know that there's going to be extra pressure on Kyle Pitts to sort of step up and not fall into that latter category uh, because of the loss of Julio Jones. Um, and, you know, there's going to be opportunities because of that loss for Kyle Pitts to put up some numbers that we rarely see from those rookie Titans that typically fall into that latter category of mediocrity, at least in their first years in the NFL. So we'll get into that conversation, breaking down the sort of statistical expectations for what Pitts can be in 2021, as well as Hayden Hurst coming up on today's Locked on Falcons podcast. But speaking of statistical expectations, you know, a great podcast that can help you out, at least in terms of the statistical expectations of putting money in your pocket is the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, as well as Paramount Sports, Lee Sterling, giving you those daily bets, those daily winners that can put that money in your pocket and Lee giving you that statistical insight that someone such as him can only provide here on the Locked On Bets podcast part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find Lockdown Bets on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So Bet Online, which sponsors the Lockdown Bets Podcast, is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at Bet Online. The NBA playoffs are ongoing. Of course, you have the British Open and Summer Olympics coming up. And of course, baseball season still is in full swing. And you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including if Calvin Ridley will be the NFL's leading receiver this year with nine to one odds. 
which are second best, only behind last year's receiving yards leader in Stefan Diggs. You can just put your money down on that by heading over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That means if you deposit a hundred bucks, you get $50 in free money to play with. Again, that's promo code locked on for that 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sports book experts. So the question is, can Kyle Pitts have a essentially historic rookie season? And we have to go back to Jeremy Shockey in 2002. The last time we, we saw one of these breakout years, you can, Say Evan Ingram in 2017 also had a a pretty productive rookie season as a tight end. But, you know, what I want to do now is sort of project the types of seasons that at least I expect to have a realistic projection on the types of years that I expect from both Kyle Pitts and, and Hayden Hurst. And we know and we expect the Falcons to use an, a high percentage of multi-tight end sets. We saw that with Arthur Smith's offense in 2020, where they utilize multiple tight ends, two or more tight ends on 50% of their offensive snaps, which was the second highest, I believe, in the regular season to the Cleveland Browns, who used it about 51% of the time. And, you know, we could see the Falcons deciding to use multi tight end sets more than either one of those teams last year. Um, if that's sort of where Arthur Smith's head is at, but you know, let's sort of assume that we, we see a comparable amount and let's look at the Browns rather than the Titans under Kevin Stefanski as a more, I think accurate model for what we might see here in Atlanta uh, to sort of glean what pits and hurts can be because I think the Browns being a better model are because their wide receiver dynamics with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are much more similar to what the Falcons have here with Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage than what the Tennessee had with AJ Brown and Corey Davis. You know, obviously OBJ is a clear cut. Number one, Jarvis Landry is a number two, but traditionally has spent the bulk of his snaps playing in the slot. About 56% of his snaps last year were in the slot, which is comparable to what we expect from Russell Gage, um, who spent 67% of his snaps over the last two years in the slot. You know, the Browns had a three-headed monster at the tight end position with former Falcon Austin Hooper, rookie Harrison Bryant, and and David Njoku a year ago. Um, And that's why the Browns outpaced the rest of the league in terms of 13 personnel, which is three tight end sets, uh, with about a percentage of 14% of their snaps being in 13 personnel, which is about four times as much as the rest of the league average combined. And while I think, you know, the Falcons will probably be on the upper end of three tight end usage with Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst and Lee Smith, um, you know, the Titans, by the way, were third place in terms of 13 personnel usage last year. But we know that Lee Smith is not going to be a major factor in the passing game. His career high in terms of targets is 13, which he had back in 2015 in his first year with the Raiders and his career average you know, it's basically like eight uh, targets a year. So, which is about what I think Logan Paulson in 2018 had nine targets that year. So that's about the, probably the expectation from what you can expect from Lee Smith. And that's probably even being generous given why would you throw the ball to Lee Smith eight times when you can throw the ball uh, those eight times to to Kyle Pitts or or Hayden Hurst. But, um, you know, I think notably with that Browns trio, even if you just sort of limit the sample to the six games, 
the six complete games that Odell Beckham uh, participated in when he was healthy, those first six games of the season, uh, those three, the trio of tight ends in, in Hooper, uh, Bryant, and Njoku combined for about 29% of the Browns' targets over that span, which is relatively high uh, when you look at sort of other teams' top two or, or so tight ends. Um, you look at the top two tight ends in Philadelphia in 2019 with the Eagles, and I think they combined for about 36% of the Eagles' pass attempts, um, and that probably percentage would have been higher if they both had played a full 16-game season. Uh, instead, we were looking at 15 games, I think, for both Ertz and Goddard. But that was notably a year where the Eagles had a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position, and even when guys were healthy between AJ, I mean, sorry, Alshon Jeffrey and, and Deshaun Jackson, there wasn't a clear-cut number one guy like you're clearly almost certainly going to have here in Atlanta with Calvin Ridley. So I feel like 29% while isn't necessarily the max in terms of the combined percentage of targets that you'll see uh, Kyle Pitts and, and Hayden Hurst combined for in terms of this upcoming season. It's not the max, but I think it's probably close to the upper limit of what a quote unquote healthy amount of targets uh, will be for Pitts and, and Hurst this year. So, you know, how many targets does that wind up working out to? You know, if you figure the Falcons throw about 600 passes this year, which would be what the league average was a year ago, extrapolated over 17 games, that would be about 175 combined targets between Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. Uh, I've had previous projections on my own where I've been projecting the Falcons to throw closer to about 625 pass attempts, um, which would be... Uh, a little bit more pass happy than the average NFL team, but not by a huge degree. 625 attempts over 17 games would basically be the equivalent of being like the 13th most pass happy offense in the NFL based off of the 2020 results off of a 16 game season. But let's assume for a second, just for the sake of argument that the Falcons throw the ball just as much as they did a year ago when they were in, I think fourth highest pass in, in, in terms of pass attempts last year. Um, and that would give them sort of an upper limit of about 667 pass attempts. Uh, so 29% of that would be about 193 targets combined for Pitts and her. So it seems like somewhere in that 175 to 195 range seems a healthy percentage. Now, how does that split break down between those two guys? Previously, I've been sort of projecting a 55-45 split in favor of Kyle Pitts. Uh, maybe you could push that to 60%. Austin Hooper and that trio had about 62% of the targets over those first six games of the season uh, when he was sort of their lead guy. Um, so, you know, if you project 60%, you would say, you know, based off of, you know, 175 to 193, you're looking at basically a 95 a range of 95 to 115 targets for Kyle Pitts this year uh, in a relatively healthy offense. And you look back at the most targets for a rookie tight end, at least since target data has been available to us since the 90s. Jeremy Shockey led with 128 targets in that 02 season. Evan Ingram had 115 in 2017. And the next highest was Cam Cleland with, I believe, the Saints with 88 targets back in 1998. Um, so I, I think it's fair based off of that. It's a relatively safe assumption that Kyle Pitts will have an opportunity to be among the top three tight end 
uh, in terms of usage this year uh, if he hits that sort of low-end expectation that we have at 95, which will put him above Cam Cleveland, uh, which was you know third highest on that list. So um, what's notable when you look at the top two guys in Ingram and Shockey, uh, both of those guys caught in their rookie seasons caught less than 60% of the th- passes thrown their way, according to Pro Football Reference. Um, and when you look at tight ends historically under Matt Ryan, uh, the combined catch rates when you look at the tight ends that at least had 35 or more targets in a given season, season since Matt Ryan has been the quarterback, those guys, when you combine all those seasons, so you're looking at guys like Tony Gonzalez, Levine Toilolo, Jacob Tammy, Austin Hooper, and Hayden Hurst, when those years where they were sort of the lead tight end for the Falcons uh, across, you know, the, the, you know, the last 13, 14 years, their combined catch rate was about 70%, about 69.7%. So when you do the math, if Kyle Pitts has about 115 targets this year and he catches about 70% of them, you know, that that's a pretty high percentage. You know, he'd basically break Jeremy Shockey's single season mark of 74 catches if he only catches 65% of his targets. So he doesn't even have to necessarily be the average there. He can come in a little bit below that. And I think 65% is, is not uh, too low of a projection, a pretty healthy projection. So I think if you get the upper end of targets this year um, and a modest projection for um, Kyle Pitts there in terms of how many of those targets he catches, he could certainly break Jeremy Shockey's um, historic mark of 74 uh, catches in a season for a rookie tight end, at least, you know, if you're not going back 60 years to Mike Dicka or whatever the case may be. So um, again, these are not necessarily the max numbers that we're talking about with a guy like Kyle Pitts. And obviously in a world where you have injuries at not only the wide receiver position, but maybe in a world where Hayden Hurst misses a handful of games, you know, instead of Pitts having 115 targets, maybe his target load would be closer to 150 targets. And he'd be much more closer to say, Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey from a year ago, both who had 145 targets last year. But I'm just sort of coming up with a more realistic projection that doesn't require you to sort of throw other things out of whack, assuming relatively a healthy season for the vast majority of the Falcons, uh, other weapons. So obviously in this scenario I've outlined, Hayden Hurst is probably when you look at the leftover amount of targets that he's potentially going to get in this scenario where he's only getting 45, 40, 45% of the targets, you're probably looking at a projection where statistically he's going to put up similar numbers to what we saw a year ago. Right now, what's notable again, looking at catch rate, you look at, he only caught about 64% of his passes last year. Um, And you hope that number would be significantly higher this year because when you look at the last three games of last year where it did seem like Hayden Hurst and Matt Ryan really seemed to sort of cement that connection, that rapport that we spent a large part of last offseason and last season talking about them building and taking time for them to build. It looked like that sort of started solidifying those final three games of the season. And that's notable because in those three games, Hayden Hurst caught about 76.5% of the targets thrown his way. So – you know, you, you like to see that number in terms of catch rate for Hayden Hurst, even if you're only seeing 80, 90 targets for him this year, you know, something to be closer to 75% of the catches or the passes thrown his way get caught. So there's certainly a, a world as well where Hayden Hurst 
gets the lion's share of the targets instead of Kyle Pitts. And you could see Hayden Hurst getting a hundred plus targets this year instead of Kyle Pitts. Um, but right now, sort of my expectation for Hayden Hurst is having another sort of 50, 55, 60 catch season, but hopefully he can sort of do more with those opportunities and those catches in terms of turning them into big plays and scoring more touchdowns. And that's really my expectation and hope for Hayden Hurst, even if he doesn't see a huge spike in production on offense. And you know that's going to be important for Hayden Hurst as an individual, not only to the health of the Falcons offense, but as an individual, because he's entering a contract year. And it seems like sitting here today, um, you know, it's very unlikely that the Falcons are going to resign him next offseason when he hits free agency. But you never know, you know, depending on the type of year he has, depending on what the market is for a tight ends, how much cap space the Falcons have as well. You know, you can't completely rule that out. But given that the fact that the Falcons are already paying Kyle Pitts on his rookie contract, $8 million a year. And you look at the market rate for tight ends, not only Austin Hooper making over $10 million a year, John U. Smith, who didn't have, you know, uh, where we're looking at Hayden Hurst having 50, 60 catches, John U. Smith, whose career high, I think was like 41 catches this past year, you know, was able to earn $12.5 million a year on the open market from the uh, New England Patriots. You know, it doesn't seem like you're going to get Hayden Hurst on a significant discount that you kind of need him in order to justify uh, re-signing him to a long-term contract as a free agent. So it does seem unlikely that he's going to be back next year, but you never know again. And, you know, I don't have a, a lot to add about Lee Smith. He's likely to serve as the blocking tight end in those situations where the Falcons clearly want that type of player, whether that's as the third tight end or the second tight end. Uh, and certainly there will be opportunities for Lee Smith to make an impact there. And, you know, similarly to Hayden Hurst, he's operating under the parameters. That's basically making him a one year rental for the Falcons. And Smith is a good blocker. You know, the, the one question I have about Lee Smith is the last time he was a regular part of an NFL offense, which was with Buffalo in 2019, he was penalized a lot. He had the uh, tie for the league high in terms of penalties uh, among tight ends in the league. And that was due to a bunch of false starts and issue that at various points in his career, he has been plagued by. And so the hope with Lee Smith with an expanded role from what he saw a year ago, um, where outside of a, you know, a stretch of games where he was the number two tight end due to injuries, you know, was a little utilized, but the assumption is that he'll be a regular part of the Falcons offense this year. You know, I don't know if that means 10 snaps a game or 15 snaps a game or more, but we'll see a regular usage of him. Um, and if that leads to increased opportunities for penalties. So the main thing with Lee Smith is it, there's no question about his blocking ability. It's just, you got to keep those penalties in check, right? And if he can do that, then he'll be a perfectly solid uh, third tight end, which is something that he has been proven himself to be throughout his NFL career. And with that being said, that leaves us only to discuss the competition uh, for the fourth tight end spot, because I think a lot of people, including myself, are assuming that the Falcons will keep four tight ends. And I will explain why I think it's likely that the Falcons will at least try to keep four tight ends this year, even if that fourth guy doesn't necessarily have a huge impact. And we'll get into that coming up on today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including the Atlanta Hawks. Check out the Lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can find Lockdown Hawks on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I, I want to tell you guys about Rock Auto because with ever-increasing 
numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or already in your pocket with your phone. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. You'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or a car dealership. Meanwhile, Rock Auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself for over 20 years, they have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So obviously, besides the one big question that the Falcons have at this tight end position group, which is how good Kyle Pitts is going to be. I do think one low key question uh, entering training camp is between guys like Jaden Graham, Ryan Becker and Parker Hess. Is anybody going to emerge and impress this coaching staff enough to potentially carve out an opportunity to be something substantial for this team in 2022 and beyond? And going back to what we just finished talking about, you have two impending free agents in Hayden Hurst and Lee Smith after the season. And as I hinted at, you know, it's unlikely that both will be retained. So you'll have an opportunity to fill those voids. And, you know, certainly a world where the Falcons, uh, should they retain four tight ends, uh, which again is my expectation, you know, that fourth guy, at least in theory, could potentially be the front runner to potentially move up the depth chart, not only to be a potential tight end three next year, but also potentially could be a tight end two going into 2022. And frankly, you know, I think the more players like Graham and Becker and Hess flash this summer, the less compelled the Falcons will have to feel to need to invest resources in replacing players like Hurst and Smith next offseason should they depart. And I think Jaden Graham, of course, stands out from the pack, but we'll circle back to him in a second. Let's talk about Becker and, and Parker Hess, two players that should they work out, in theory could be sort of Lee Smith-esque blockers for this team. Becker served primarily, almost purely as a blocker in college at SMU and Hess is a former defensive end at Iowa that is a pretty solid athlete uh, given his defensive background. You know, they usually don't pay, put big slow guys on the defensive line uh, unless they're D tackles, but he was a defensive end playing opposite guys like AJ Epinesa and Chauncey Golston in Iowa several years ago. But by no means is an elite athlete at that position and, and when converting to the tight end. Otherwise, he probably would have remained a defensive end, right? Um, so, you know, looking at Hess's first preseason with Tennessee back in 2019, making that initial conversion from defense to offense, he had one catch and two drops in that preseason, um, which is not positive for his potential as a pass catching tight end. But, you know, who knows what sort of improvement he could have shown last summer uh, behind relatively closed doors without necessarily being able to witness the preseason. But the fact that the Titans cut him partway through uh, last summer's camp and then only brought him back mainly due to uh, another backup tight end for them in the middle of the season catching COVID doesn't necessarily indicate strongly that he made huge leaps as a pass catcher. So I think in order for 
either one of these guys to make the roster, it's going to have to be because they really impress this team as far as their blocking is concerned. And therefore the team will look at them as a possible Lee Smith replacement as their sort of main blocking tight end as that third guy on the depth chart, potentially going into next year as a ready-made replacement for Lee Smith, should he be allowed to walk. But more than likely though, you know, again, I think their chances of making the roster are not, you know, impossible by any things, but I think they would be long shots at this point. And I think more than likely those two guys, you know, are competing for a potential one spot on the practice squad. Instead, my expectation is that the four tight end position will probably go to Jaden Graham. I think he's clearly the front runner. And as I mentioned earlier, flashed those skills that you like to see it back in 2019 and then regress in 2020. You know, I said to other people back in the summer of 2019 that based off of where Jaden Graham was as a rookie uh, in 2018 as an undrafted free agent out of Yale for the Falcons and based off his performance in the preseason and then based off his performance in the same preseason a year later in 2019, you could have made the argument that Jaden Graham was one of the most improved players on the Falcons roster um, alongside another guy like a Jacob Tuody Mariner. Um, But we saw uh, in 2019, during that regular season, uh, that Graham wound up being one of Pro Football Focus's top graded blockers uh, at the tight end position, and then had that I think three or four game stretch where he basically replaced an injured Austin Hooper as the team's de facto starting tight end. And while he didn't show himself to be the equal of Hooper, as so many Falcon fans insisted that he could easily step into Hooper's uh, vacated spot uh, as a way to sort of justify the team not paying Hooper. Uh, last offseason, Graham certainly did flash enough ability that, at least in my eyes, you could have seen him developing as a very capable second tight end because of that ability to be that two-way player. And I still have those same hopes for Graham, um, and we'd like to believe, you know, to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, that regression that he showed a year ago uh, in last season was due in part due to the unorthodox offseason and maybe did not necessarily put in the work um, due to COVID and all that various things that he could have to build upon his 2019 season. Um, But, you know, not necessarily getting opportunities in the passing game during last season is not necessarily a big deal. Um, but, you know, the one serious concern for me watching Jaden Graham a year ago was that his blocking sort of regressed, right? He did a 180 and was not very good as a blocker in the limited opportunities that he did have last year. So, again, I think his potential as a two-way player and his experience on special teams makes Graham a relatively safe bet to stick on the roster as the fourth tight end over guys like Hess and Becker. But if Graham's blocking doesn't rebound, it does open the door for a guy like Hess or Ryan Becker to potentially push him and take his spot as that fourth tight end, um, given the expectation that backup tight ends primarily are going to be asked to block. You're only going to get opportunities to play uh, because of you blocking, not necessarily because a team really is going to value as a pass catcher. And again, in a world where you have Kyle Pitts and or Hayden Hurst, uh, healthy versions of those guys, there's not really an opportunity for uh, a third or fourth tight end to really get a lot of run as a pass catcher. But, you know, that brings us to the final point, which is, you know, similar to what we've talked about with several other positions uh, throughout these uh, training camp previews and throughout the summer, 
that this is another position that when we're talking about this fourth tight end position, that the Falcons may be willing to sort of scour the waiver wire for better options if none of their in-house options, including Jaden Graham, don't quite live up to expectations this summer. So while the battle for the fourth tight end isn't necessarily a pressing issue, um, as I said, given that only one tight end is technically under contract in 2022, being Kyle Pitts, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the Falcons would love to be in a situation where they don't have to go into next offseason feeling pressure to have to add two tight ends to fill out this position group. And, you know, I think it's easy. And I often uh, make the mistake of thinking that these guys are, you know, you can find a blocking tight end for real cheap. So it's not that big a deal. Um but generally speaking, if if you're going to go cheap at the position, it's because you're willing to settle for the Luke Stocker types, the Logan Paulson types of the world, which, again, is fine if you don't have better options. But um, I think it's very clear based off the Falcons actions this past offseason that they're not willing to sort of settle uh, and they feel like they can do better with the acquisition of, of Lee Smith and obviously the selection of Kyle Pitts. And so when you look at the, you know, the price tag in free agency of quality number two tight ends, you know, that number is, is approaching six or seven million dollars nowadays. And you see it with a guy like Nick Boyle in Baltimore who is primarily a blocking tight end with the Ravens, but he makes about that type of money. We've seen other guys, including the Buffalo Bills and Lee Smith's former teammate, Tyler Croft, as well as others, you know, make a decent amount of money as blockers. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, I don't expect Hayden Hurst to come back next year because I think it only makes sense for the Falcons to be to, to sort of the cap on terms of how much they can pay a number two tight end is like six or $7 million. And I don't see Hayden Hurst settling for six or $7 million next offseason. But, you know, I think if you could sort of fill that spot with a guy like Jaden Graham, you know, in theory, you're essentially saving six or $7 million and, or a mid round draft pick, uh, if someone like a Jaden Graham can step up this summer and say by the end of the year, you're like, hey, that guy is a legit option to be our tight end too and, and be that one-two punch alongside um, Kyle Pitts that we had that expectation, or at least I had that expectation heading into last summer about Jaden Graham being the same sort of guy with uh, Hayden Hurst, which was one of the reasons why the Falcons sort of waited until the last possible moment to re-sign Luke Stocker because seemingly they had those same expectations. But then when Graham didn't get I guess, uh, fulfill those expectations in OTAs. They brought back Luke Stocker. So while 95% of your attention deservedly is going towards Kyle Pitts and how he integrates into this offense, as well as Hayden Hurst, um, to see if sort of, he can pick up where he left off last year. I would say, say, you know, 5% of your attention span for that fourth tight end competition, um, to see if the Falcons have a potential tight end two or a potential third tight end, uh, in the making, uh, between guys like Jaden Graham, Parker Hesson, and Ryan Becker. So there you guys have it for today's Locked on Falcons podcast. Tomorrow we will be talking about the quarterbacks and spending a lot of time talking about A.J. McCarron, uh, Felipe Franks, and of course, you know, who's that guy? Matt Schaub? I mean, no, I'm, who's the Falcons starting quarterback? Who's that guy? Um, Matt, Matt, what is his name? Matt Sims? No. Um, Matt, Matt Bryant? Oh, Matt, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out, guys. Falcon starting quarterback. We'll figure it out on tomorrow's episode. So definitely check that out. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing that you want to check out before we get to that on tomorrow's episode is what you got to check out 
today on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And of course, that's the Lockdown Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. Peter's got you covered with all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Lockdown Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts so that you can get that sweet, sweet insight from Peter Bukowski on all the things going on in sports beyond the NFL, in addition to the NFL, um, with a lot of stuff uh, like the Olympics and NBA and NHL and expansion drafts and MLB and all that stuff uh, coming up on, um, you know, the sports world. And so, of course, Locked On Today has you covered with that stuff. So there you guys have it. If you have any feedback that you want to provide me, of course, you can hit me up on Twitter at Locked On Falcons, Facebook at Locked On Falcons, or you can send an email to Locked On Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.